We've got a, a great speaker. I'm going to ask him to come on out. Um, this gentleman has been uh, coming back and forth to our church for a number of years because his family lived here. And uh, he has moved here full time, I guess, about in the last year. And uh, John has run Long Island Youth Mentoring, which is what it sounds like. It is a youth mentoring ministry uh, in New York for many, many years. And uh, when he moved here, we quickly connected, and he's become a mentor to me. He's got a few more gray hairs than I do, but I'm right behind you, brother. And, uh, and so uh, he's, he's always told me, hey, hey, Dave, you need someone to help out, you know, uh, jump in there last minute even. And so this week I reached out to him. I said, you remember that promise you gave me, that offer you made? And he said yes. And in the midst of having like 19 people at his house all week, uh, he was gracious enough to, uh, to prepare uh, a message for us today. So would you make welcome John Craig to our pulpit today? Thank you, Pastor. Well, good morning. I've been uh, sitting right about over there for the last year. My wife and I uh, have been here, as, as Dave said, for about a year, and we bought our home in April and have been full-time since. Um, I, uh, uh, for 36 years, I've been ministering on Long Island, and I worked with 140 churches there. And uh, I just tell you that for one reason, just to let you know, I've been in a lot of churches over the last 40 years. And uh, when Kay and I uh, came here, uh, we decided to do what Henry Blackaby suggests, is to look and see where God is at work and then join him. Isn't that a great statement? And uh, we looked and we've seen and we have joined. Uh, God is clearly at work here. And I, I literally have not seen anything like what I see here. It's God's favor on this church. I mean, we just experienced worship. I mean, the level of, of talent, musical talent up here is phenomenal, but they could very easily be up here performing, but they're leading us in worship, which is very different, bringing us before the King of Kings as we are able to worship him together. And then the pastoral staff here is, is amazing. And uh, as I sit over there, I enjoy Dave, listening to Pastor Dave. Now, he's unique. Okay. few chuckles. Where is he going to go with this? Um, I, I've never seen anybody communicate like him. It, it's sort of like we're sitting in his living room, and he's telling us about Tasty Cakes, and and then all of a sudden, he drops truth in our lap, and we walk out with it. I mean, it's, isn't that true? I mean, it's just very unusual gift. I mean, the man really could preach anywhere. Uh, but God has called him here, and I am grateful to sit under his leadership uh, in this church. Last week, he, he preached a very appropriate message uh, for Christmas morning, and it was basically... God loves you. And we hear that all the time, but do we let it really sink in? How much God loves us. I remember Dave many months ago, he said, you know, there's quite a, there's a few people that I would die for. And he mentioned his family, made it clear it wasn't me. <laughs> um, 
But then he said, but I can't think of anyone who I would sacrifice my child for. And that resonated with me. I have three children, and I, I just can't imagine how much God loves us that he would send his son to live and to die like he died, and then to be rose, raised again, and that we can have a relationship with him and know that our future is secure. God's love is amazing, and what a message for Christmas morning when we realize that our God gave us the greatest gift ever given to mankind, and he gave it to us personally. Your picture is on his refrigerator. Can you picture that? He loves you that much. There's many of us, and yet it's that individual that he loves us that specifically. But here we are on the last square of the calendar of uh, New Year's, and uh, it's a different message. We start thinking about Last year, what, how we spent this last year, but also, how are we going to spend this next year? I've heard uh, uh, from Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, it says, start with the end in mind, which I like that quote. At a year from now, where do we want to end up in terms of relationships and career and all these other things? And so we pray. But the question in terms of that prayer is, do we pray and then invite God into our agenda? Or do we say, God, creator of the universe, the one who loves me to the point that I can call you Abba, Father. Do I go and say, God, lead me in where you want me to be, to do what you want me to do, to touch the lives you want me to touch, and just to be the man or the woman that you want me to be? Do we go to him and seek his agenda, or do we invite him into our agenda? And I think that's the challenge as we start into a new year. One of my favorite passages in dealing with this is Ephesians 2.10. And it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, if you pull that apart, and I, I encourage you, as you go into the new year, to Look up Ephesians 2.10 and just let it sink in. God created you. And before you were even born, he had in mind good works for you to do. And he created you specifically with the gifts and abilities that you need in order to accomplish the things that he prepared in advance for you to walk in. Isn't that amazing? We look, at, we look at other people's gifts and abilities. I don't know if you're like me, but the things that I'm weak in, and if I see it in somebody else, I just admire it. I say, man, look at that. But God created me to do different things than that person that I admire. He created you to accomplish different things than anybody else. I mean, we can look at Dave, and we can look at... The people that come up here said, man, if I could sing like that, I could see how God can use me. 
If I can communicate like that, I can see how God can use me. But you know what? The scripture tells us that one of the roles of the pastor is to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body can be built up. His gifting, Dave's gifting, the pastor's gifting, the elder's gifting is to prepare us for works of service so that the body can be built up. So each of us have been gifted with a purpose in life that was designed by God and we have been gifted with exactly what we need as we spend time with him and let him empower us. Now, I have, I keep a running list of questions that I have that I don't get. You have that? I mean, there's lots of questions. We can have faith, but there's lots of questions we can have. And one of them is, I know God is all-powerful. I know he's all-knowing. He can do anything he wants. Why would he want to use me? Why? He can do anything he wants without me and do it far better than I can do it. He knows that there are going to be times that I'm going to fail him. And why would he do that? So that was on my list. And one day I, I was at home and, and uh, I needed to change the hot water washer in the sink. And as I'm washing in, walking in with the washer and the screwdriver and the wrench, I said to my daughter, I said, she's six years old. I said, would you like to come help me? And she said, sure. She got up and came with me and she stood at the sink, and I wrap my arms around her like that, and I take off the little thing that says H, and I take the screwdriver, and I break it open, and I put her hands on it. I said, now you turn it here. And so she turned it, and with her six-year-old hands, all of a sudden the screw falls out and goes down the drain. <laughs> well, yes, you're right. I should have pulled the drain stopper, but I didn't think of it. And so now we go to Lowe's and go pick up another screw, and we come back an hour and a half later... We get it all together, and then we turn the water back on underneath, and we turn the water on, it comes on. We turn it off, and we stop back. No drip. It was a high-five moment. I mean, my girl and I did that together, and we accomplished it together. Now, I didn't invite her into that job because I knew she went to plumbing school. It was all about the relationship. And God loves you so much that he invites you as part of his love into doing things that put footprints and fingerprints in eternity. Isn't that amazing? That God loves us that much. That he created us with a purpose to join him and accomplish in his will on earth. When Dave asked me to do this um, earlier in the week, I, he told me about his dad and, and my dad who was 92 passed away just a couple years ago in the middle of COVID and, and he had been a pastor and, uh, and until he was 65, then he was a college teacher in religious studies until he was 88 years old and then he got Alzheimer's. And in the last uh, few months of his life, he was in the Alzheimer's unit. And we couldn't see him because of that COVID thing. And I got a call one day, and uh, they said, if you want to see your dad alive, 
you better come quickly because he's, he's moving fast. So I jumped in my car and headed out. It was a two-hour drive. And, and then I got a phone call, and it said, I don't know what happened, but he sat up in bed and he wanted breakfast. And I said, well, he's too stubborn to die is the problem. And, and so I said, but I'm on my way. I'm almost there. I kind of lied. But I'm almost there, and I want to see him. And so they said, under the circumstances, we'll let you see him. So I went in, and they got him up, sat him in the chair, and I sat down next to him. And he looks at me really deeply, and he said, do you think it's a sin that I don't recognize my own son? And I said, no, Dad, I know it's not. Um, I know that's just a natural thing. You have Alzheimer's, and it's a natural thing that's going on, and it's okay. He says, oh, okay, good. And I said, you know, you also have two other sons and a daughter. Would you like to see their pictures and pictures of their children and your great-grandchildren? He said, yes. So I pulled out my phone. And for 45 minutes, I introduced him to his kids and his grandkids and his great-grandkids. It was great. I had three hours to be with him. That's what the limit that they gave me. And after I got done with the pictures, all of a sudden his eyes go up into the top right corner of the room. And he's just staring. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do for the next two hours? And I said, Dad, would you like me to read the Bible to you? And he says, yes. So I said, what would you like to hear? And he said, the truth. And I thought, that'll preach. So I remembered one of his, uh, his passages that he really loved was Psalm 121. So I opened it up and I said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. And he chimed in. From whence cometh my help? It was like, I said, my help coming from the Lord. And he said, the maker of heaven and earth. And we went back and forth throughout that whole chapter. And every time he said his line, it was like a kid in class saying, I know the answer. He was amazed that finally I know something. I know the right answer. I was sitting there going, how come you know that? You don't know me. You know, I mean... <laughs> And, but I was, I was thrilled. And then he goes, and when we got to the end of it, he says, read Psalm 100. And we went through Psalm 100. I still had two hours, so I said, Dad, this morning I read uh, about when Jesus uh, reached out to Peter to restore him after the resurrection in uh, John 21. And he had confusion on his face. And it was obvious he didn't know who Peter was. And I thought, this man with a doctorate, a pastor, teaching religious study, he doesn't know who Peter is. I said, okay, Dad. I said, well, let's start from the beginning. And I, I opened to Luke 5. And it was the story of when Jesus was walking down the shore and there were some fishermen there and there were some boats and the crowd was so much around Jesus that Jesus jumped onto a boat and he said, Peter, come on. And Peter jumped up from cleaning his nets and he jumped into the boat and he pulled it out a little bit so that Jesus could preach without the crowd pressing against him. And when he got done preaching, and Luke doesn't tell us what he said because this wasn't the message that he wanted to convey, the message took place when Jesus said, pull out a little ways for a catch. And I'm going to put a little bit of sanctified imagination in there, but Peter looked at him and goes, Jesus, we're professional fishermen here. We've been fishing all night. I just got finished cleaning the nets. I'm ready to go home. 
But because you say so, I'll let down my nets. And he let down the nets, and they were so filled with large fish that the nets were about to break. He called for the other boat where his buddies were, and the other boat came over, and it filled both boats so filled that these boats were about to full, be, about to sink. And the disciples, the, the fishermen, were astonished. And I'm looking in my father's eyes, and his eyes are big, and he's leaning forward, and he goes, wow. And I thought, why am I never astonished? How can I hear these stories about the creator of this earth who flung the stars and knit us together in our mother's womb? And I hear these stories and I'm not astonished. This is not a fable. This is historical facts about what takes place. And he was astonished. And then after Peter got done getting over the amazement that this is probably his biggest payday, he realized that this great catch was not because of his ability, but because of who he was with. And he says, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus says, from now on, you will be fishers of men. And that net has been thrown generation after generation, and we have all been caught into that net. And it's not a hammock. He calls us to be fishers of men, to be used by him to reach out to others. I continued um, sharing with my father and and it went on for two hours, and we don't have that kind of time, so I'm going to jump around a little bit. But I went into the Sermon on the Mount, and um, there comes the amazement again. The people were amazed on how he taught. And he said, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, what good is it but to be thrown into the the path for people to step on. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither does one light a lamp and then put it under a bushel. No. He lights a lamp and puts it on a light stand so it can give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine so that men will see your good works. What good works? The good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. That they will see your good works. Why? And praise your Father who's in heaven. That's what it's about. I continued on and the Lord's Prayer is right into that, that sermon. And the Lord's Prayer is one that we can pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And we can all say it and it goes like this. And it just falls off of our tongue, but do we take the time to realize it's not only a prayer, but it's a model for communicating with God. Our Father, who art in heaven, relationship, hallowed be thy name, worship. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That is our agenda. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And only after we focus on the fact that God is our Father and we worship Him and we put on the glasses of His agenda, only then are we ready to pray, give us this day our daily bread. So often, when we go to pray, we go right into give us this day. We invite God into our agenda instead of looking to Him and seeking His agenda for our lives. We continued on in this conversation and went to the conclusion on the Sermon of the Mount and he says, Jesus says, those who hear these words of mine, now he's talking to the church, those of us who hear these words, those who hear these words of mine and put it into practice are like the wise man. Now, I was taken back that he didn't say the good man. Wouldn't you think he would say that? Those who hear these words and put it into practice are like the good man. No, he says, those who hear these words and put it into practice are like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rains come down, the waters rise up, the winds blow and beat against the house, but it stood firm because it was built upon the foundation of a rock. And what is the rock? The rock is the hearing and the doing the word of God. But those who hear these words of mine and do not put it into practice are like the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The same waters come down, the same floods come up, the same winds blow and beat against that house, and yet it falls with a great crash because their life is built upon the hearing and the not doing the word of God. Where do we stand there? And then I went on, and, um, and I'm going to skip to the end. And Pastor Dave referred to Jesus' last sermon to his disciples when he preached on John 14 a couple weeks ago. And I'm going to go later on in that message that, that, his, that Jesus preached to his disciples in John 15. And he said, abide in me, and I will abide in you. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. My father is the gardener. Abide in me, and I will abide in you, and you will bear fruit, fruit that lasts. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing of value can we do apart from me. He says, if the branches that don't bear fruit, the Father cuts off and throws into the fire and burns. But the branches that do bear fruit, he prunes so that they'll be even more fruitful. Now look at the pattern here. The pruning is a cutting. It sounds really painful to me, doesn't it? It's a pruning. And in the, in the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, there's a storm. Those who hear and do get the same storm as those who hear and don't do. Sometimes when we go through storms and trials and tribulations in our life, we say something's wrong. I mean, God, you and I had something going. Why is this happening to me? The storms, the pruning are promised. It's a part of the love of God. I mean, sometimes you feel like I can do without that love, God. My father, my grandfather uh, owned an orchard, a, a peach orchard in Yakima, Washington. And he was a master pruner. When he bought this orchard, he pruned all the trees. And in one year, the, the fruit from those trees paid off the, the whole farm. 
When he was 88 years old, uh, I found out, I was living in Spokane, Washington, that his favorite fishing hole from when he was a kid was just a mile, I mean, an hour away from where I was living. So Kay and I flew him up, and we were going to take him fishing. So, but I had to work one more day, and so we, I picked him up at the airport, we went into my driveway, and he, I call him Peepaw. Um, Peepaw said, you have one tree in your, in your um, front yard there. I said, yeah. He says, you know what that is? I said, no. He said, it's a prune tree. I said, well, Peepaw, I've never had any prunes on that tree. He said, because it needs to be pruned. When you're at work, do you want me to prune it? I said, yes, please do. My tree was 12 foot tall. I come back from work the next day, and my 12-foot tree is now a four-foot bush. And I pulled into my driveway. Literally for five minutes, I sat there. My peepaw is more important than my tree. My peepaw is more important than my tree. My peepaw is more important than my tree. I went in the house. Peepaw grew me. Did you see what I did? Yes, peepaw, I did. Come on out here, and I'll tell you how, why I did it. And I walked around that tree with him. I wish I would have listened, but I didn't, because I was just saying my peepaw is more important than my tree. The next year, I was pulling out of my driveway, something purple grabbed my eye, and I walked, got out of my car, and I looked, that tree was so full of fruit that we couldn't give it away fast enough. Why? Because that tree was in the hands of the master pruner. Can you trust him like that? Can you trust our Heavenly Father in the pruning of your life? The last message, the last lesson that, that I learned from my father was this. After his funeral, we all gathered together and my sister read from his journal that the last entry he did when the last six months of his life, and it said this, he was still in full-blown Alzheimer's. Dear God, Please help me to be used by you to further your kingdom, even now. I was totally blown away by it. I, I just couldn't imagine that he had that kingdom focus in that part of his life when his mind was going. But then I thought, well, that's really sad that that prayer couldn't be answered. And then it occurred to me that the impact that it had on me, the challenge that it had on me, was the answer in and of itself. Father, use me to further your kingdom, even now. Let's go into that this year with that prayer to seek his agenda, that we can walk in the good works that he planned for you and me to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, first of all, that you have blessed us into this church, and we know and we acknowledge that you bless in order to enable us to be a blessing. Give us that vision. Lord, we often look at ourselves and we say, we can't. We're inadequate. But Father, remind us that it's not about what we can do but it's about who are we are with give us that vision as we step forward help us to 
walk boldly, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. Amen. Let Brother John know you appreciate his message today. Anyone ready to grow in 2024? Then we have to surrender to the pruner, right? <laughs> Why don't we stand up? Let's take just one, one more moment before we rush out of here. Uh, good to, again, good to see everybody. Uh, it's good to be in God's house together uh, as we kind of finish out this year and we look back and we see some of the things that, that God has done in our lives. Uh, but it's also a good time to uh, look forward and, and to say, you know, Lord, is there, is there some things that you want to prune from my life in this new year? Uh, this is a good opportunity to just have a moment that, uh, that we use for what we might call sanctification, of, of just saying, God, I'm just, I'm just surrendering. He talked about the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. There is a, a, a place that brings us to a moment of surrender where we say, God, I'm, I'm laying down my agenda for this upcoming year and I truly want your will to be done in my life and in my family I want you to take the talents and the resources and the gifts that you've given me and I want you God to use them for your glory so let's bow our heads and just have one more moment of prayer Father we all in this room Lord heard your word today we heard, God, that you are a God who requires and desires fruit from your people. And the fruit is, is when we surrender and we allow you, Lord, to do what you want to do in us and through us. And, Father, I pray for myself and I pray for my brothers and sisters that if there's anything in our lives right now, God, that would hinder you from doing that work in us, we want to lay it down in this place we want to surrender God we we want to be pruned as painful as that is so that we might see the fruit in our lives that you desire help every man in this place help every woman in this place every young person and even our children father to hear the voice of your spirit to God to obey give you our lives. We look forward to a new year. God, we're hopeful for the things that you're going to do. We pray for anyone who's struggling today. God, those who have lost family members this week. God, I pray for those who are grieving. Thank you, Lord, for your peace, God. Not, not a peace that's a cliche or a bumper sticker, but peace that is so real and so deep. Father, thank you for that. Thank you for heaven. Thank you for eternity, Lord. Pray, God, for those who are needing direction for this new year. There's some, some young folks that are trying to figure out, where do I go from here? What do I do? What's, what has God called me to do? And Lord, I know you're faithful, and I just pray that you'd guide their steps. You say in your word that the steps of the righteous are ordered by you. Take these young men and women and, and just show them that next step. God, thank you those who are struggling maybe with a sickness or a disease, Lord, 
Thank you for being our great physician, the God who heals. I ask you to touch them and bring your healing power. God, we have members in the hospital even today who are hurting and suffering. God, would you just show yourself strong on their behalf and let your healing power touch them even in that hospital room. God, whatever the struggle, we bring it before you. But we hear your word. We hear your word today of saying total surrender. <laughs> and, then, and then we make way for your provision in our lives. God, may your word do its work in us. We just bless you and magnify you today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.